We are studying this afternoon, we're going to be starting the subject of Simha. I don't know exactly how long that'll take, maybe a few, maybe more. This class has been generously sponsored by Victor Satin in memory of his father, Obadiah Ben Shoshana. Amen. So we're going to be using the word simha, it translates happiness, but I don't really know if that's the right translation, so I'm going to say simha. Simha is one of the most important needs of every person. Everybody in humanity desires it all the time. We wake up every morning because we want simha. We get involved in things because we want to be samaya. It's not an exaggeration, I think. If we say that almost everything that we do in our lives is because we're looking for simha. Maybe we're looking for immediate, maybe somewhere in the future. Simha drives us to do what we do. And we put a lot of investment into reaching our simha. Time, effort, money, a lot of sacrifice, just so we can have the feelings of simha. The reality of this world is that although everybody is looking for simha all the time, if it were up to us, we would be sameach every moment of our lives. And we try. But the reality is, when we look around us and we look into ourselves, that the mission has not been accomplished. Surely we have moments of simha. But could we say that we know someone who is sameach the majority of their life? Probably not. And even if it's the majority, it's very, very short of the goal. As we know, reaching simha is not as easy as saying, I want to be sameer. It's not one of those things. It's something that's sometimes hard to grip. And sometimes even when you grip it, it just kind of breaks in your hand. Why is it that we may not be successful in reaching simha if that's really all we want. Could it be that there's something that we really want and work for every day 
and yet we don't reach it. What could be the reason why we don't get it? So I'm going to give you a rule. That if you see someone who wants something very badly, but they're not reaching it, so it could be one of three reasons, or all three. One could be, he doesn't know what he's looking for. It's like a person trying to find Reuven. He goes from place to place, doesn't leave a corner that he doesn't look for, Reuven, and doesn't find Reuven. Somebody asked him, do you know what Reuven looks like? He says, actually I don't. You can't find Reuven if you don't know who Reuven is. So if you're looking for Reuven and you're not finding him, either you don't know what he looks like, or maybe you do know what he looks like, but you have no idea where to look for him. You have no idea where a person like Reuven hangs out. So you can never find Reuven, even if you know exactly what it looks like, because you will never look in the right place and in the right way. Or it could be you know Reuven, and you know where he would be and where he would hang out, but you really don't care to find Reuven. Or you don't care enough to find Reuven. They tell you Reuven is lost. So you say, ah, I feel so bad. Okay, back to work. Do you really care to find Reuven? Do you, is it important for you? Does it matter to you? So if it doesn't matter that much, so even if you know who Reuven is, and you know where to look for him, but you're not putting in all that energy to get to see him. So if somebody is looking for something and they're not finding it in their life, it's either one of those three or all three. So if there are people like me and you who are looking to achieve simha continuously, and we're not reaching it. Because let me tell you something. Simha is something that we could reach. It is something that we can have with us all the time. It's not only an expectation. It may even be an obligation. So if we're not reaching it. It's either that we don't know what it is as odd as that might sound. Or we don't really know how to get to it. Or we just don't really realize how important it is to be Sameha. The Hawad al makes an astounding statement. This needs to be learned for many reasons because it really changes our understanding of so many things 
that we see every day in ourselves and in others. He says, Ki hanefesh, he says, the human soul, the way we humans are programmed, Hashem wrote a program called the human brain. This program says the Chobot Levavot, Lotit Nadev. The human is not ready to give up of something that he has. You know, in life, very often we're asked to give up something. Sometimes it's to give up our sleep. Gotta get up. Sometimes we're asked to give up our money. Sometimes we're asked to give up our pride. Sometimes we're asked to give up of our time, our energy. We have to give. So how does the human decide if they are going to give? Why should I give someone else of my time, my money, my energy, my sleep? For what? How do I come to that decision and I decide, okay, I'm going to give. Why would I do that? What would cause the human to give of himself for someone else? After all, we love ourselves. We love our sleep. We love our money. We love our rest. We love everything about ourselves. And we should. The Pasuk says, You should love your friend like you love yourself. Loving yourself is obvious. So when, when are we willing to give up of ourselves? Says the Chavot Levavot, Ki hanefesh lo titnadev. A person is unwilling to give anything of himself. Ela ahar sheyitbarela. Unless it becomes clear to the person. Shehatemura. Or different. That the exchange is going to be more than the investment. If I think that giving you a dollar today is going to get me two dollars tomorrow, so I will give you a dollar. Because I see the return is greater. I'm only going to wake up and get out of my bed, even though it's so comfortable, because I see something greater in return. I'm only going to work and put my sweat because I see I'm going to get something greater. So we think sometimes when we see people who are not waking up, we say, oh, they're lazy. Says the Havot Lavot, we're all lazy. That doesn't make you special that you're lazy. We're all lazy. You see a guy who's not willing to give money that Hashem blessed him with. Oh, he's cheap. No, no, we're all cheap. Lazy means you love yourself. You don't love yourself. Cheap means you love your money. You don't love your money. So sometimes we look at things and we say, oh, that guy is this, that guy is that. Says the Havad Lavod, that's not the reason. If you see someone who's not giving up of themselves, it's because they don't see how their investment is going to get them something greater. It's 
the default to be lazy. The nefesh is programmed that when it sees a greater return, it says, I'm in. I'll wake up four o'clock in the morning if I know I'm going to get something greater for that. So therefore it becomes the most important part of our striving for anything in life is to know exactly what the return is. If we're going to invest in simha, we need to know, and we're going to have to invest in simha, by the way. It's not one of those things you can buy in the corner store. It's not like that. And as obvious as it might seem to be sameach, like, I have to go to class for that, it's not so obvious, as you'll probably soon see, because I don't think these classes are going to end very soon. It's going to take a lot of work. You got to learn about it. You have to invest in it. And you might just ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why am I going to learn about Simha? Why am I sacrificing for Simha? Says the Havod Levavod, if you know what you're going to get in return, then you're going to do it. You're going to say, it's worth it. I'll go to a class every day for this. I'll give all that I can for this because Simha is so great. So our job today as an opening class is to appreciate what Simha can do for a person. Again, some might say that's like unnecessary, no? Don't we all appreciate Simha? But I think as we go through certain aspects of our lives and see the difference between Simha and not Simha, we'll realize that Simha is so much bigger than we ever imagined. The first thing we'll talk about is the most obvious one, which I'm not going to spend really any time on. One of the great aspects of Simha, being Sameh, is that simply it feels good. We feel good when we're happy. We don't feel good when we're not happy. It could have been different. But that's how Hashem made us. That when we are Sameh, we actually enjoy being alive. We enjoy even the simple moments of life if we're happy. That's an obvious advantage of Simha. We're not going to go through that because I think everybody in this room and anyone listening knows what those feelings are like. Number two. I think by now we realize that everything and everyone in life has good and has bad. There's no such thing as something that's perfect. The only thing that's perfect is Hashem. So you get married to someone, they're not perfect. They have good and they have bad. You get a job, it's not perfect. Your job is not perfect. 
there's a good side to that job and there's not such a good side. You have a friend. No friend that you have is perfect. No shul is perfect. No rabbi is perfect. So here comes the challenge. Being that everything and everyone, every situation where you live, the time and place that you live, you could have said, oh, if I was born in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, then, oh, that would have been great. Or if I lived maybe in the Halab, that would have been something. Or maybe if I had this or I had that. Or if my parents were this or if... There isn't a situation in life where you could say it's perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. There's good and there's bad. And it's made that way by design. Our challenge becomes, so what kind of person are you? Meaning, when you look at people, what do you see? After all, it's only one person and it's only one job. And it's only one house. Do you see, what do you see? You see good or you see bad. You see tov or you see ra. That becomes your choice. If you see good, obviously, many, many good advantages will come into your life. A person who is sameach, a person who is happy, which we still don't know what that is, and we're not going to know today. But a person who is sameach generally has a midah lirot tov. Lirot tov means somehow they see good. They look at a person and they see the good of that person. They're in a situation and they see the good of that situation. They work in an office. They see the good in that office. Anything they're involved in in life and anyone they're involved with in life, husband, children, parents, friends, community, they see good. When you're Samaya, you see good. One great example is what the Torah tells us about Sarah Imenu. The Pasuk says when Sarah Imenu passed away that she was 127 years old. And then the Pasuk ends Shene Haye Sarah. These are the years of Sarah, the life of Sarah. The Pasuk already began and says, Vayihiyu Haye Sarah. These are the years of Sarah, the life of Sarah. Why does it repeat in the end, Shene Haye Sarah? So that she brings the word of, words of Hazam, Shene Haye Sarah, Kulam Shavin Letova. Which means all of her years were great. She had a great life. 127 years, don't think they were like great moments and they were bad moments. 
Kulan Shavin Letova. They were all good years. Sounds spectacular. If we didn't know Sarah Imenu or knew nothing about her, it would seem like, oh wow, what a fortunate woman this was. I mean, she must have had it all. But then we do know a little bit about her life. And it was far from Kulan Shavin Letova. You have a woman who for 90 years doesn't have a child. Any person knows that not having a child, even for two years, four years, five years, can be extremely painful. Ten years? We don't even know what that feels like. A childless woman for 90 years is a tremendous source of pain. That's what Sarah Imenu experienced. 90 years, no child. And then she had one. She had to deal with Hagar. She was practically taken away from her husband and practically raped twice by Abimelech, Pelishtim, by Paro in Mitzrayim, by Hira'av Ba'aretz, famine, she had to move. Kulan Shavin Letova, could it be that all of her years were great years? But says the Midrash, Shekol Shenotea Avra Besimha Upsason. Which means the Midrash is asking the same question. How could it be with so many difficulties in life that they were all tova, they were all equally good? Says the Midrash, because she was a woman who was Samea. And if you're Samea, then you can go lo alenu 90 years without a child. And you will see tova. And you will see good. Because it's always good in life. Even in the most difficult situation. It's just a question of where you choose to look. When Yosef reveals himself to his brothers, he tells them, Al Don't be down. Be Samea. He says, Ki shelahani Elohim Do you realize the beracha 
that this whole situation has brought for us? Look at you. You're starving. And I was sent as a messenger to keep you and your families alive. Look at the blessing that took place in our family because you sold me here to Mitzrayim. Some explain that the connection is he was telling them, if you're not Sameach, you will not see the Beracha that Hashem sent me the way He did. If you're down, if you're going to walk away and say, oh, I'm so unhappy, you will not be able to see Beracha in your life. Simha, you see good. When you're not Sameach, you don't see good. Perhaps this could be the explanation of the Pasuk in Tehillim, the most famous Pasuk. Mi ha'ish he'hafetz ha'im. So I don't know if I'm going to give you the simple explanation, but certainly a valuable one. Mi ha'ish he'hafetz ha'im. Says David Melech. Who is the person that wants life? Now, if you want life, it's obvious because you like it. You want more of it. Hafetz Hayim is not just a person who's alive. It's a person who wants to live. They're Samea. So who can say that they are a person who is Hafetz Hayim? They are Samea. Who can say that? Well, we can all say it. But says David Melech, is there a way to really know if we really are Samea? Because you could make any proclamation you want. Or maybe you could even fool yourself. Because you might think you are Samea. Says David Melech, here is the test. Here's the barometer. Test yourself. How do you look at the people and the situations in your life? If you're a complainer, you like complaining about people, about your neighbors, about your friends, about your family, about your situation, about your children, if you complain and you see the rap, then you're not a hafetz haim. You're not a happy person. Because if you would be a happy person, you would be ohev yamim, you would just love the days that you're in. Lir otov. Because you only see good. Now you might be thinking, well, I don't do that. Exactly. That's why you came to this class. Because we may not have simha in our lives. That doesn't mean we're depressed people. It doesn't mean we have to go for therapy. But simha is something so special and so big. We need to have it. And if we're not ro'etov, if we're not seeing the good, if we're not like Sarah imenu, kulan shavin letovah, it doesn't mean that we're not struggling. We're struggling. We need to get married. We need to have children. We need to get a good job. We need to have better kids. We need to have a... Whatever. We all need things. That's not the question. Nobody asked. Simha has to do with 
life being perfect. But can you be like Sarah Imenu? Where no matter what's happening in your life right now, you're just seeing good things. Somebody asks you, say, how are you? I'm just great. Everything's great. My kids are great. And they're looking, your kids are great. No, they're not. No, they're, not. they're great. You don't know how good they are. Now, of course, every child's got issues. But what do you see? How's your husband? Awesome. Great. No husband is awesome. <laughs> he doesn't exist. It's the truth. But that's your choice. Imagine interviewing Sarah Imenu at the age of 87. So Sarah, how's life? She'd say, amazing. It's great. It's so good. Does that mean she didn't want a child? Of course she wanted a child. But that doesn't take away the life's good. So much good. I'm alive. I'm breathing. I'm eating. I'm helping people. I have a husband. I got friends. I, I could serve Hashem. I'm great. If we can answer the question and say life is good, that person is good, my neighbor is good, my situation is good, it doesn't mean you don't want different. It just means you see the good in where you are in life. How many blessings you have. Who can say I don't have blessings in my life? Well, if you could answer with Otov, says David Melech, you are an Ish Hafez Hayim. You could say you're a happy person. Because happy people see good. And people who aren't Sameach, they see the Ra. That's the formula. That's number two. Advantage number one, you feel good. Advantage number two, you see good. And number three, take seeing good to the next level. Because number three advantage, and there's no order by the way, and there's many more than ones I'm gonna say, but I figured some obvious ones, is that when someone is Sameah, generally speaking, they are optimistic. They don't just see good now or from yesterday. Generally a person who's Sameah sees good in the future. You know, life sometimes can be scary. Is it gonna be good or it's not gonna be good? Well, if you're Sameah, you see good. You expect good. You're not a prophet, you're not a Nabi. But your attitude is a positive attitude. You're seeing the salvation just right there, it's coming. Not that you know that it's coming, but that's your attitude. Your attitude is, yeah, it could come, of course. Things could change, we'll make it better. And if you ask me, so what's so important about being optimistic? You're right, okay, so Simha makes you an optimistic person. And what's so good about being optimistic? Well, one simple reason, 
that it's good to be optimistic because it gives you strength. You know, when a person is not optimistic, if you don't see good results coming up in the future, it's very hard to pull your strength together. But when you see good on the way, it's not there yet, but you just see it. You know, you're struggling with your son or with your daughter, but you see it's, it's going to be good. So that gives you energy. If you don't see good, you just fold. That's an obvious reason. But let me tell you, maybe not such an obvious reason. Our Torah teaches us that actually the way you think about the future has very much to do with what will happen in the future. It's a hidush. I mean, in my mind, I thought, okay, you could think something that has nothing to do with what's going to happen. You can decide to think whatever you like. What will happen will happen. Whether you think A or you think B. But Hazal says it's not like that. There's a connection from the way that you think, the way you see something, and what will actually happen. Let me give you an example. So we know Yosef HaTzadik is being this master of interpretation of dreams. He just knows. You give him a dream and he just, he has that crystal ball. He tells you, this is it. But it could be that some of his interpretations were not necessarily prophecies or master of interpretations in that sense. It could be that Yosef just understood how the human mind and how the world operates. Let's take, for example, the famous dreams of Sarah Mashkim, Sarah Ofim. I know we know the story, we learned it a hundred times, but Let's just look at it really close and realize something very interesting about that story. So you have the minister of the drinks of Para'ah, very hashuv person. You have the minister of the food, of the, he's the baker. They're both thrown in jail. They wake up in the morning, they don't look good. Yosef realizes. He tells them, tell me, Saperunali. He talks to them in plural. Saperunali. He's talking to both of them. Tell me what's on your mind. Who goes first? This is important in the story. Who goes first? Vaisaper Sarhamashkin et Haloma. As we'll soon see in the Pasuk, Sarha Ofim was not interested in telling Yosef his dreams. It seems he was frightened. He didn't want to hear what Yosef was going to say. So who went? Sarah Mashkim. So what does he say? He tells Yosef, listen, I had a dream. I'm working with grapes. I squeezed the grapes into a cup. And I put the cup on the palm of Paro. Yosef tells him, in a few days, you'll be back doing your job for Paro. Nice. Very nice interpretation. Guess who comes 
says the Pasuk, Vayar Sar Ha'ovim, Kitov Patar. He's not just coming, but he saw that, wow, he gave him a good interpretation. He's okay. He says, let me tell you. Vayomer Yosef. Now I'll tell you my dream. He liked him. He says, Af ani bahalomi. Also me. You see, he's trying to uh, include himself in the same club as Sarah Mashkim. Also, I had a dream and I had these baskets of food or bread on my head. He says, Vehaof ochel otam min hasal me'al roshi. He says, but in the dream I saw a bird is coming to eat from the basket. That's on my head. See bird coming down, eating from the food. Yosef tells him, Baruch Dayan Ayamet. That's it, it's over. What happened? So is it that he was this master interpreter? Or maybe he knew what Hazal said. Hazal said, Masechet Berachot, Amar Rabbi Yonatan, En mar'in lo la'adam, Ela mehir hure libo. Meaning, what you think about during the day, that's what you dream about at night. So Yosef, the Sarah Mashkim, he's telling him his dream. He's dreaming about going back to work. So, he tells him, you're going back to work. If that's what you think, if that's your outlook, then you're going back to work. Because if you think good, you're going to get good. Sarah Ofim, on the other hand, he had a very interesting dream. A bird is eating off his head. I want you to, to sit outside for the next seven days. 12 hours a day and watch people as they walk and tell me if you'll ever see a bird standing on a guy's head. Will you ever see a bird just standing? I decided I'm going to go sit on the guy's head. Never will happen. You'll never see a bird standing on a human head. The birds, when you come close, they fly. If there's a bird standing on a human head, what must that say about the human? He must be dead. He saw a bird eating from his head. Yosef says, oh, that's your process of thinking? That's where your mind is? That's what they showed you, that's where you're thinking. He says, you're not gonna make it. Because the way you see the future and your outlook has very much to do with what happens. It's a little bit of a scary thought. Let me give you a Gemara, scary a little more. The Gemara says, Yehuda Barnatan. Barnatan was the name already from, the, from Shas, you see. Yehuda Barnatan, the man, he was walking behind Rav HaMenuna. Atnah. Atnah means that Yehuda Bar Natan started to 
make some sounds that were like, you know, oh, he's sighing. Oh, it's a hard life. Oh, I don't know. I don't think I've done that before. Never did. Okay, but look at Anyway, he did that. At nah, nothing. He wasn't really complaining. He was just making these sounds. Amarle, Rab Hamenuna turns to tell him. He says, Yisurin ba'e hahu gavra le'atuye anashe. That's Aramaic. Let me explain to you in English. He says, does this man have a wish for suffering? What? He was sighing. What does he tell him? You have a suffering wish? What's the connection? Oh, because the Pasuk says in Iyob, Ki pahad pahati. He said, I had a fear. And it actually happened. Which means that a person's fears is like asking for the actual problem to happen. That's what Gemara says. It's a little scary. Because we have these fears and these thoughts. But we must know that they have implications. Not just on our happiness. They have implications on what will happen. It's brought down in Sfarim. That if a person is afraid of bad things, those bad things come rushing to him. It's like opening the valve for deem to come shalom to a person. So tell me, is there something more important than being optimistic? It's like writing your own script for life. It's like deciding your future. I don't know how far this goes, but clearly... There is an effect on the way we think and the way things actually happen. Yes, to be optimistic is a life changer. Literally. And when do you become such a person? Because you just walk out of class, okay? I'm optimistic now. It's not that simple. You need simha. If you're sameah, you see good in the past, you see good in the present, and you see good in the future. With simha, you can be that optimistic person. With optimism, you write a different script for yourself in life. Again, it doesn't mean life will not have challenges. Never think that. But it's a different kind of script. That was number three. And some more? Give me some more. So one, let's review. One is good feelings. Number two, you see the good that you have. And number three, you see the good that's going to be. Number four, it's going to save you. Simha will save you from a lot of conflict and mahluka. What does simha have to do with shalom. 
the answer is that most conflict happens because the person is not happy with themselves. When a person is unhappy, he will make everybody around them unhappy. That's the way usually it works. When people are fighting, it's usually because something is disrupting them. Something is disturbing them. So therefore, when a person is Sameach, I can't say no conflict, but when a person is Sameach, he has taken so much mahlukat and all types of bad words and bad exchanges off their plate, which of course leads a person to a much more successful life, whether it's in the home or it's in their business, with their friends or neighbors. Number five. I'll give you some short ones just so you don't. Number five. Simha. Listen to this pasuk from Shilomo Amelech. You have to remember this pasuk. It's one of those you have to memorize. Not the whole one, just four words. Says Shalomo Hamelech, Lev Sameach, a Lev that has Simha, a heart of Simha, Yetiv Panim, will have a nice face. Lev Sameach, Yetiv Panim. A person who is Sameach has a beautiful face. What does that mean? And what does it matter? A beautiful face means that that person, through his face, has the ability to literally light up the life of other people in his life. <coughs> a smile is just part of the face. It's even bigger than a smile. It's, it's a certain glow in the eye when a person is Samaya. It's even scientific that there's a certain liquid that develops in the eye. When you look at the person, they're glowing. The facial expressions are tov. It doesn't mean they're always opening their mouth and showing their teeth. But it's a certain face that literally is meir. It lights up. Lev sameach yetiv panim. Shalomu HaMelech is giving you a rule. If you have a lev sameach, then automatically yetiv panim. Your face is special. Your face is bright. And if your face is not bright, you know what that means? You got you know what it is? You know, you know how to read Shmishle, right? Lev Sameah Yetiv Panim. And if you're not Yetiv Panim, then you're not a Lev Sameah. It's not one of those things that you could say, no, no, I'm very, very Sameah. I just don't like to give people a nice face. That's just who I am. 
but I'm really very Samael. Just, I don't give parim. It's not my thing. Because you could, you could think that. There's the Simha department, and there's the parim department. Says Shilomo HaMelech, you're counterfeit. It doesn't work. If you have left Sameach, it automatically makes your face Yetif Parim. There's no such thing. So you could learn from your face who you are in the world of Simha. And how important is Hatavat Panim? How important is that? To have a beautiful face. Hazal said the following one. Gadol, greater, hamalbim shinaim lahavero. Somebody who whitens his teeth, means it shows a nice face to his friend. It's greater yoter mimashkehu halav. It's greater than giving him milk. It's interesting, they use such a mashal. What they're trying to express is that milk is something that is needed for a person's health. A little baby's born, we want them to be healthy. We give them milk. Could you imagine a person who's so worried about the health of his friends and his community members? Every morning, he brings a para. He brings a cow. And puts, because he doesn't want that, you know, stuff that you buy in the cotton. Is that, that milk, who knows what they've done to it. He wants real healthy milk. Because he loves his friends, he loves his people. So every morning, he brings the para and waits outside the Beth Knesset. And people going to pray, can't drink milk before you pray. But on their way out, he says, hold on, please. Get you a fresh cup. Gives him a fresh cup of milk. Ah. Yeah, adding years to their life. Giving them health, good, good taste. Real good fresh milk. Next guy comes, gives him. This guy's guy a giant. He's a giant of kindness. Imagine you did that. Go to a school near you. And stand out there and just keep milking cows for the people. It's tremendous. What Hesed, they would talk about you in all of the newspapers. You would be the talk of the country. You're up three in the morning and you're getting ready to give people something very healthy that's going to give them happiness and health. It's unbelievable. Hazal said, but if you give a person a nice face, it's healthier for that person than giving him a cup of milk. And that goes for your baby. And that goes for your children. And that goes for your friends. And it goes for your spouse. We cook for our children. We do kindness for people. But nothing is as good as giving someone your hatavat panim. There's nothing as good as that. Gadol hamalvim shinaim lahaverot. Yoter mimashkeh wahala. It's greater than giving a milk. 
You're giving the guy life by giving him your face that's shiny and bright. But you could only do that with Simha. I have to read for you this. Masechet Avot, but not the regular Masechet Avot. Masechet Avot de Rabbi Natan. Says the Mishnah, it starts off with a line that you all know. Veheve mekabel et kol ha'adam besever panim yafot. Right, you all know that one. It says you should receive every person, every person, besever panim yafot. Doesn't say a smile. Panim yafot means a beautiful face. Sometimes a beautiful face is a face who's interested in the person suffering. That's not a smile. Sometimes a beautiful face is a concerned face. Sometimes a beautiful face is a face with tears. And sometimes a beautiful face is a face of excitement. And sometimes it's just a wink. And sometimes it depends on the situation. You can just open your mouth and put your face on and just, okay, I'm doing what the Mishnah says. It's not what it says. Panim yafot. It's a beautiful face. According to the needs of the person. Good, so you know this one. Every person you see, it's a lot of people. Every day. You're going to walk out of this class, you're going to see people. Every person you see. Panim yafot. Here's, here's the continuation that you don't know. Melamed. To teach us. Sheim Natan Adam Lahavero. Kol Matanot Tovot Shebaolam. If you decided you have a friend, you have a spouse, you have somebody that you really care for, and you want to give them the most precious gift that you can find on the planet. Something wild. Maybe you're gonna buy them a house somewhere, I don't know, in the mountains, somewhere on the beach, you're gonna give them some crazy vacation that they know. You're going to get them something that's so precious. And you do it. You think about it, you plan it, and you actually do it. You spend tons of money on the person. It's an amazing thing. Upanav kibushim. But your face is not your face. And your face is not so nice. Alav hakatuv omer. On him we say, keilu lo natan lo klu. That's a very heavy statement. Imagine you did some. You work for a month for your children, and you gave them everything, but your face wasn't your face. Keilu. Lo natan lo klum. You didn't cook them. You didn't buy him clothes. You didn't do that. You didn't take him in. You didn't do all those things. Well, I did. I promise, I did. Look what I did. Look how much I shopped. Look how much I worked. Look how much I gave. Look how. In Shemayi Zena, you didn't, you didn't give anything. Why? Because where's your face? If your face is not there, you didn't give him anything. That's an amazing statement to make. I would be scared to make that statement, but I'm reading it from their words. I can read it. 
אבל סז דה משנה, המקבל את חברו בסבר פנים יפות. But if you give your face, your פנים יפות to somebody, אפילו לא נתן לו כלום, even if you gave them nothing. מעלה עליו הכתוב כאילו נתן לו כל מתנות טובות שבעולם. It's as if you gave him everything. That means the greatest gift you can give people in your life is panim yafot. There are a lot of people in our lives. A lot of close people. It says, heve mekabel, et kol ha'adam. Make sure you receive every person with panim yafot. So if I asked you, what do they mean when they say every person? Uh, what's every person? They're obviously coming to include somebody who maybe you wouldn't have been giving your phone. They're telling you every person. So who is that every person? So a stranger, people you don't know, people that you don't really care about that much. Call Adam, not only the people close to you, every person. And it's true. But I think there is a bigger Hidushin, and it's exactly opposite. I think kol ha'adam means even the people that you love most. And you probably think, what? Even the people you love most? Of course, what do you mean? Those people? No, it's not of course. Because the people that you see all the time, and the people that you love most are generally the people you give the least amount of facial attention to. Because you say to yourself, well, you know, I've been seeing this man every day for the last 30 years. Okay, kind of smile there, like, well, okay, whatever, we're married, it's good. I saw my son this morning and last night and today, so I'm gonna see him tomorrow again. It's, it's done, it's good. Like we know already. Oh, you see a stranger? Oh! The panim yafot come out. That's easy. The panim yafot towards a stranger is obvious. It kol adam. Kol adam means even the people you see every day. The people in your home. The people who are literally a part of your life every single day. You might think for those people, that's not, that's not necessary. And comes the Mishnah and says, you're making a mistake. You can't imagine what you will do to your home if you come into that home with a big panim yafot every single day. You can't imagine the panim yafot power when your son or daughter comes home from school or comes to visit on Shabbat, even if they've been there for the last three months. I just saw you. I just, you don't, you don't need my panemia for Come on. You know he does. You can't imagine what it will do to your home and what it will do to the people in that home. What would you like to give your children? What would you like to give the people that you love? Wouldn't you like to give them a nice gift that will make them happy? 
Says the Mishnah, there's nothing greater than Parim Yafat. It's cheap. It's free. It's short. It's not like you have to sit there for hours in front of the mirror. You know, Hashem gave the power of the face. The word in Hebrew for face is panim. The word panim in Hebrew means bifnim. Bifnim means what's inside. When we give panim yafot, we're not showing the people our face. We're giving them our heart. You know, imagine you had to write for your son or daughter or someone that you love or someone that you're close to. Every time you saw them, you had to write for them or express to them in writing one words how much you love them and care about them and appreciate them and how much they mean to you. How long would that take? You write and write and write and write. So every time you see somebody, you have to write maybe 10 minutes, maybe 20 minutes. But Hashem made this miracle called Panim that you're able to express to somebody in a moment perhaps paragraphs of information of how you feel about them all in a split second it's an unbelievable tool that Hashem gave us showing someone our teeth is giving them our heart in fact there are 32 teeth in a person's mouth which spells live. Live is 32. You give someone your face, you're giving them your heart. What could be more precious? Think about what we do for Hashem. We spend money, we work hard, we wake up, we do mitzvah. And at the end, Hashem says, you know what I want from you? Really? At the end of the day, you know what I really want? I want one thing from you. Rahamena liba ba'e. I just want your heart. That's really all I want. There's nothing more precious that you can give Hashem than your heart. And there's nothing more precious you can give anybody more than your live. And if you say, well, how do I give my live? How do I do it? Which platter do I put it on? How does it work? Panim. Panim yafot. Panim yafot is a gift that you can give all the people in your life. Panim Yafot will make so much more out of our relationships. It will make the people around us happier. That's how it works, by the way. If you have Panim Yafot and you stay strong with that, you'll start seeing the people in your life have Panim Yafot. You want to change your husband's Panim? Panim Yafot. You do it. You want to change your children's Panim? Panim Yafot. You do it. It's going to happen. You just don't, don't give up. Keep doing it. Keep going. It's going to happen. It's contagious. Panim yafot are contagious. You just need to stay with it. You literally transform people in your life. And one extra little, if you're not excited enough for your panim yafot, I'm going to give you one little extra gemara that should put you over the top if you're still hanging on the wall. Because right now you should be thinking, okay, that's it. Done with cooking, I'm done with shopping. Okay, I'm gonna work on my panim yafot. That's what you should be doing for the next hour. Practice your panim yafot. Forget, just order out tonight. Just think about your panim yafot. 
Really, that's, that's, what, you, that's what you should work on. Because you're working all day and all night. But you're working maybe in the wrong area. You're putting all your effort in something that is not as great as this. That's what you should be doing. But if you're not ready to do that yet, this will put you over. Okay? The Gemara says in Masechet Ta'anit. Interesting Gemara. Gemara says that one time, Rabbi Beroka, that was his name, he was in the shuk, he was in the market, and he found Eliyahu Hanavi in the market. I guess he knows what it looks like. He found him, he was there. Now, if you see Eliyahu Hanavi in the market, you take advantage. So he did. He went up to him. He tells him, Eliyahu, I want to ask you a question. Amarlin. Interesting what he was thinking, by the way. Like, if you had one question to ask Eliyahu Hanavi, what would you ask him? Okay, I'm not, not going to ask you now, but, but it's interesting. He asked him the following question. He told him, you see the shuk, so many people. Ika behai shuka bar alma deate. He said, tell me, in this whole shuk, so many people here. Is there anyone in this shuk who is a ben olam haba? Now, it doesn't mean someone going to olam haba. Call Yisrael yeshlaim helek He's asking, is there someone living olam haba? Now, anyone living like in Olam Haba right now? In this world? He's a Ben Olam Haba? He looks around, he says, look, the whole shuk couldn't find one guy. I'm assuming there were a lot of good people there, but he couldn't find one Ben Olam Haba. Then all of a sudden, Adi says the Gemara, Atu Hanachtre, two guys come and walk into the shuk, two regular simple guys. Eliyahu Nabi tells him, oh, those two guys, Bene Olam Abba. Nabi Berokah looks at them, they don't look like, like big Talmidei Hachamim, like big rabbis, big balets, that guy. He doesn't know them even. Who are these guys? They're the Bene Olam Abba. So, of course, what does he do? He goes over to them. He tells them, Amar Lehu, he said to them, My Uvdaihu, do me a favor. What do you guys do? What's your occupation? What are you involved in? Like hey, you're involved in interesting things. Amrule, they told him, This is really what simple guys, nothing special. He says, In Anan. He says, Something we have special is whenever we see someone who looks like they need a lift, they're down, we crack a joke. We make the guy laugh. Put a smile on his face. Putting a smile in people's faces, you become a Ben Olam Haba. I hope that puts you over the edge. If you need to be known, if you need to know more about that, it's not for today's class. Okay. You ready for the next one? Number six. What else does Simha give you? Simha Yetiv Panim. That was the last one. 
But Simha does something else. And I think everyone you're going to read is, oh, yeah, oh, that's the one. We got to get that one. We forgot about the first five already. <laughs> now we're just on Panim. But remember, there were five before that. Or four. This is number six. You have to know the Zohar. You ready for the Zohar? So I'm not going to read it because it's Aramaic. So I want to just get to the point. The Zohar says that if a person is Sameach in this world, they are dragging into their life Shefa and Beracha. Says the Zohar that in Shamayim, when they decide who they give Berachato, they look down. If they see Ihu Kaima Ben Hiru De if they see a guy who's Sameah, Zohar, give that guy. He needs more Beracha. If they see a guy not so Sameah, they give him the same as his face. That's what Zohar says. It's so hard. Look it up. Parashat Tetzaveh. Unbelievable thing. The Zohar says elsewhere, that's why if you make Berkat Amazon, what, what's the idea of saying Berkat Amazon? Besimha. You just ate. Hashem gave you food. You're satisfied. You should be Sameach. So it says in the Zohar, someone who makes Berkat Amazon, Besimha, he says, this guy is going to get such biracha in his life. The Hida says, Birkat Hashem, you bless Hashem, he ta'ashir. The biracha itself will give you the shefa and the osher. That's why the Pasuk says, we just read it a few weeks ago, last week. It says, when Moshe Rabbeinu was blessing Zebulun, it says, Semach Zevulun Betzetecha. You know, Zevulun had a partnership with Yisachar. Yisachar was learning Torah. Zevulun was the businessman supporting Yisachar. So, blesses Moshe Rabenu, the tribe of Zevulun, by telling them, Semach Zevulun Betzetecha. Zevulun, when you go to work, you should be Sameach. You should be happy. That is a little bit of an odd beracha. When was the last time you blessed someone who's going to work to be happy? Usually, if somebody is going for dinner, you say, enjoy. If they go on vacation, you say, have a great time. If they go to work, you say, oh, enjoy work today? Have a great time? Oh, they're not going to play ball? What do you tell them? You tell them, Atzlaha. you should be successful. What does it matter if they have a good time or not? It's not relevant now. We're not going to have a good time. We're going to make money. But Moshe Rabbeinu, when he blesses Zebulun, he tells him, Semach Zebulun Betzetecha. Zebulun, you should be happy when you go to work. So Rashi picks up on this. Obviously he's bothered. Rashi says, what does he mean, Semach? Says Rashi, Hatzlah. When Rashi said Semach, it means, Be Matzliah, that's what he meant. Question is, Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know how to say the word atzlah. 
What, what did he say, Semach? The answer is that if you want to be Matzliach, when you go to work, you got to be Semach. Because when I tell you to be Semach when you go out, it means automatically to be Matzliach. Semach zevulum betzetecha. I bless you, you should be Semach when you go to work. Go to work with happiness. Maybe you wanted to learn now, but now you're going to work. So be happy. That's what Hashem wanted you to do right now. Zevulun. So be Samaya. Because with your Simha comes Natslaha. In fact, the Pasuk says in Tehilim, Se'u zimra utnu tof. Says David Melech. Interesting words. Raise up a song. Se'u zimra utnu tof. And sound the drum. Kinor naim imnavel. What else did you do? You should play the sweet harp. And navel is another instrument like the harp. What's going on in this pasuk? So I saw in one book he writes that if you look at the last four words, kinor naim imnavel, the first letter of each word, kinor naim imnavel, spells kinaan. Okay. Does that excite anybody here? No. What does that mean? Nothing. But the word Kenan in Hebrew, like it says by Yehuda, he married Bat Ish Kenani. He didn't marry a Kenani girl. Kenani means a businessman. Tagar, the Midrash says. So what does Tagar, what does businessman have to do with going out? Se'u with Nutov. Sounds like Simhat Torah. Sounds like Purim. What, what's going on here? Sounds like a wedding. A guy's going to work? So they explain, yes. Se'u. What's Se'u? We say in Hebrew. How do you say businessman in Hebrew? Masa'u matan. Se'u zimra utnu tof. Se'u utnu. Masa'u matan. When you go to work, take the orchestra with you. Don't go to work with your head down. Se'u zimra utnu tof kinor na'imim navel. Because when you go to work that way, you're going to be matzliah. That was the beracha that Moshe gave to Zebulun. And guess what? You know what was a prime example of that? Look what it says by Yosef. Yosef is in Mitzrayim. We all know what he was involved with, what, what he was went through. The Pasuk says, in the middle of this whole ordeal, says, Vayhi Adonai et Yosef. Yosef had Hashem always with him. Vayhi Ish Matzliah. He was an Ish Matzliah. So Midrash says, what does it mean? He was an Ish Matzliah. Hatzlaha comes from Hashem. What did he do? So says the Midrash, Ish Matzliah, Rabbi Rechia Amar, Gevar Gapuz. What does Gevar Kapuz mean? They explain Gevar Kapuz means someone who is Sameah. So the Pasuk means Vayhi Adonai et Yosef. Why? Why was Hashem with Yosef? Vayhi Ish Because he was Sameah. Even in Mitzrayim he was Sameah. In fact, we know in Hebrew, whenever the Torah uses the word Vehaya, and it will be, is like Vayhi, very close, but very different. 
Because Vehaya introduces something that is happy. Vehaya. Im Shamoa Tishmeon. Vehaya is Lashon Simha. Vaihi, like Vaihi Bimer, Vaihi is Lashon, the opposite of Simha. Vaihi Adonai et Yosef. Why is that bad? Why doesn't it say Vehaya? It's a good thing. Hashem was with Yosef. Perhaps the answer is that look where Hashem was with Yosef. Look where he was Matzliah. You know where? Vaihi. He was in the worst predicament, the worst situation imaginable to a human being. Nobody could say, I'm having a tough, tough day like he did. Vaihi! Ish Matzliah. Despite the Vaihi, Hashem was with him. Despite the Vaihi, he was Matzliah. Because he was Sameha. Simha brings tremendous berachah to the person. No matter what they're doing. When Hashem sees us Sameha, He's going to give you more. I saw a story of a rabbi in Israel who had a friend. And every time he would see this friend and they would share words and they would ask him, how's it going? He would say, ah, Hayim Dvash. He says, life, try that one. Life is honey. Hayim dvash, hayim dvash. Every time he sees hayim dvash. So he said, that, you know, he's very inspired from this man. Every time he sees him, he tells him hayim dvash. Everything's so sweet. Not just good, sweet, honey. Anyway, one time, he was, I guess, having a, maybe a deeper conversation with him. He said, what was this hayim dvash business? Why do you keep saying Hayim Dvash? He says, let me tell you. The word Dvash is not just honey. He says, the word Dvash has three letters. Dalet, Bet, and Shin. Dvash, Dai, Dayenu, meaning it's enough, Bemash Yesh. Dayenu, meaning it's enough with what I have. Hayim Dvash. Hayim Dayenu Bema Shiesh. Unbelievable thing. You know, in human interaction, if you tell a guy Dayenu, imagine you're working with somebody and he's paying you whatever he pays you. He says, How's it going? Good. I'm good. I have more than enough. You're never getting a raise. Ever. In fact, he might start deducting next time. If you tell a person in this world, if you're in your religion, you tell them you're satisfied, you could forget about anything else you'll do for you. That's the way it works. You say Dayenu to a human, he stops, he closes the tsinor. The pipe is shut, locked, and they throw away the keys. It's over. But it doesn't work like that, Pasha. My Hashem is exactly the opposite, actually. And we say this on Leil Pesach. What do we say? Hashem, if you just took us out of Mitzrayim, Dayenu. If it was me and you, we'd say, okay, enough. You happy with that? Great, beautiful. Hashem says, oh yeah? Dayenu? I give you more. When it comes to Hashem, it's not like me and you. The more satisfied you are, the more dayenu you tell Hashem, Hashem, I'm so sad. You gave me so much. 
He gave me so much. I have so much. Hashem shall give you more. Hayim Dvash. Dayenu Bemashayesh. This is the way to get Beracha. That was number six. How much patience do you have? Just walk out. It's fine. I just keep talking to the camera. It's good. Says Shalomu HaMelech. Lev Sameach. I know you're thinking. I heard that one already. What is a different one? It's exactly the first three words the same. Lev Sameach. Yetiv, what should be? Panim. Lev Sameach Yetiv Geha. I got you on that one. What is Geha? What does that mean? Lev Sameach Yetiv will make Geha. What's Geha? What does that word mean? The word Geha means Refua, medicine. Lev Sameach Yetiv It's the best medicine. No better medicine than Lev Sameach. That's why Shalom says elsewhere, Ruach Ish Yechalkel Mahalehu Lo Alenu Someone has a Mahala. Someone is sick. So of course he has to go to doctors. Of course he has to do whatever he has to do. But says Shalom, I'm going to tell you the best treatment. Ruach Ish. How are you feeling inside? How's your spirits? Ruach ish yechalkel machalehu. It'll give so much more to your healing. Veruach nechea, and if you're down, nisaena. Who can carry that? Even if you're healthy, God forbid you could lose it. Your mental state of simha has very much to do with your physical health. I mentioned this the other day. In this room, someone came up to me and said, Rabbi, and sometimes you say this, he's like, okay, fine. Who says? A man came up to me and says, Rabbi, you're 100% right. He says, you don't know, I was diagnosed with three tumors. He says, but one thing I worked on is my simha. He says, I'm alive, I'm well. It's been 10 years, 12 years. Because that's what I do. He's talk to people in that situation. You gotta be Sameach. Again, you gotta take care of yourself, obviously. But live Sameach is a big deal. Yetiv Geha. Imagine saving so much pain, so much trouble. All with Simha. In fact, some say that all the sickness comes because of a lack of simha. Physical sickness has a lot to do with the person's simha. It's been scientifically proven that a happy person has a stronger heart, less blood pressure, has a better immune system, less stress, has less pain, Lengthen the person's life. All good things that we want. Simha. That was number seven. Number eight. What was there? What was there?
You know what? I think we'll stop at number seven. So take too long. Number seven is what we did seven. Yeah, we have a lot of homework tonight. A lot. Zat Hashem, this is the first step. Just as you thought simha just means to feel good, you start realizing, no, no, it's a lot more than that. And it's something worth giving everything in your life for. So, Be'ezat Hashem, in the coming weeks, we will continue to see the value of simha, and then hopefully how to get there. Have a beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.